1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 to 19, the theme for today's message, if Christ is not risen, if Christ is not risen, and I'll complete that sentence as we move along. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come with great relief and thankfulness for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We worship you for your power you put forth in raising Christ from the dead and in giving us the same life that is in Christ, that you have given us eternal life in him. And I pray that you would give us a mind to understand, ears to listen, eyes to see, a body to obey, a heart to receive your holy word. We pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> in the middle 1900s, mid-1900s, there was a a German theologian, Rudolf Bultmann. And he rejected all the supernatural parts of the Bible. So he didn't believe in the miracles of Jesus, didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. He called them myths, <coughs> almost like Greek mythology. And in order to make the Bible more acceptable for the modern scientific man, he decided to reinterpret these so-called myths of the Bible. And so he said that it's not important for us to believe in a, a historical Jesus and historical facts about his crucifixion and resurrection, about his life and miracles and so on. It's not important to believe those things as history. All you need to do is you need to go behind these so-called myths and find the deeper meaning, find the spiritual lessons behind them. Now for us, we want to know what does Scripture say about this? And how, how did Christians throughout history, what did they think about Jesus and his life and death and resurrection? And what does it matter whether we believe that the resurrection of Jesus was literal and historical and a bodily re resurrection, or on the other hand, if you believe it's just a spiritual resurrection, it's just something that happens in your mind, you just think so and you, you just hope so. What does it matter? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is going to answer that question. Let's start reading at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And if there's no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching's in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So, if Christ is not risen, number one, 
then we will not rise either. That's verse 12 and 13 and also verse 16. You know, the, Greek, the Greeks had a strange worldview. The way they saw the world and life, uh, it's called dualism. Dualism, which means they believe that the body is evil and anything um, made of matter is evil. And then the spirit or the soul needs to escape from the body like a bird from its cage. And that happens when you die, and that's wonderful, they believed. And so the body won't rise again. And maybe that kind of teaching influenced some of these Corinthian Christians so that they started becoming like the Sadducees. Uh, according to Matthew 22, verse 23, Acts 23, verse 8, the Sadducees didn't believe in the res resurrection of the body. They rejected that. But if these Corinthians held to that teaching and they too started rejecting the bodily resurrection, then they needed actually to just reject the basic truth of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 12, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And that would be intellectual and spiritual suicide. Especially because the proofs for the resurrection are overwhelming. The proof of Christ's resurrection. It is a fact. Verse 3 and 4, it is a fact that those verses, it, that's an early Christian confession. And Paul quotes this. And this confession was used generally by Christians less than five years after the actual resurrection of Jesus. Look at verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. That's the confession. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So the resurrection of Jesus, it's not something that, oh, someone just thought up later on. No, this is what Christians believed from the very start, from the very beginning. Now some will say, yes, but the, the Christians, these disciples, they hallucinated. It's like they saw this phantom or this ghost, like someone who's got drugs in his system or he um, has anesthetics in his system, and then you start, start seeing squirrels running up your legs and stuff. And so they're, no, no, just, these disciples just had some hallucination. They just thought they saw Jesus after, after he was crucified and buried, but they didn't really see him. <clears throat> well, it cannot be an hallucination or an apparition. It can't be a ghost because Jesus appeared more than 10 different times, 10 different occasions to different groups of people. Verse 5, it says, he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, six. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. In other words, you can go and ask them, though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then there are other references in the Gospels where he appears in Acts chapter 1. So don't tell me all of these people hallucinated, they saw ghostly figures, they saw phantoms, they saw apparitions. And then to... to prove this further that the disciples didn't see a phantom, Jesus even ate right in front of them. He showed them the wounds in his hands and in his feet and in his side. He even told them to touch him in Luke 24 and John chapter 20. And they did. 1 John 1 verse 1 said they touched him. Now someone might say, all right, um, 
The disciples just made up this story. It's not that they, they saw an apparition or a phantom or they hallucinated. They made up the story. Uh, Jesus never appeared to them at all. Well, if that's true, I've got a couple of questions. Question number one, why is the tomb empty? Why could the opponents, the enemies of Jesus, never bring his body and show, here he is, you lied, he didn't rise from the dead. They could never do that. And to this day, the body of Jesus hasn't been found. Second question, why were believers like Stephen in Acts 7? He saw the risen Christ in Acts 7, 55 and 56. Why did James the apostle, he saw the risen Christ? Why, why were they willing to die for the risen Christ if they knew it's just a story? People will die for a lie if they think it's true. Like in 1978, Jim Jones who convinced more than 900 of his disciples, of his followers, he convinced them by telling a lie, and then he told them to commit suicide. They believed him, they committed suicide. So you can convince someone if they believe the lie, but if someone knows something is a lie, oh, 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 you will very quickly say, no, 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 we just made, this, made up the story, this is a lie. Especially if the Roman soldier puts a sword, against, sword, a sword to your throat. Then you'll say, we made this up. The disciples didn't. They were willing to die. Third question. How do you explain the conversion of the Apostle Paul? Within a few days, Paul changes from a radical hater of Christ, a persecutor of Christians. Within a few hours, he changes from that to a passionate preacher of the gospel. How do you explain that if Christ didn't really appear to him, if Christ is not alive? Well, Paul said, the reason I changed is because I saw the risen Christ. Verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, Christ appeared also to me. Read it in Acts 9. Read it in Galatians 1. How Paul changes. And Jesus still changes people. From immoral and reckless people into pure people. From liars, he turns them into honest people. From drunkards, he changes them into sober people. From thieves, he changes them into hardworking people who want to share with others. How do you explain that if Jesus is dead? How do you explain it if we say, no, it's just the legacy of Jesus that lives in our hearts? Well, you know, the, the legacy of Elvis Presley does nothing of that kind for people. Now, someone will say, but any kind of program like that, you can get these program that teaches you good morals, teaches you manners. Any kind of program like that, any rehab can do that for people. You don't need to believe in the risen Christ. Well, it's true that some of those programs do change people and it helps them to change their deeds and their actions. But it cannot change them on the level of their emotions, their desires and their thoughts. It cannot change them into new people so that they are different now in every single way and to the core of their being, their whole being, their whole being a human is changed. The way they live, the way they are. Jesus can change people that way, and he does. Next question we want to ask, if, if people say the disciples just made up the story. Well, if they made up the story, how would they have made up the story? They themselves didn't even expect Jesus would rise. They even disbelieved when the woman told them. Another question. How did it happen? that the woman and the disciples, their very, very deep sadness in an instant changes. 
into joy. How in the world did that happen if Jesus, if they didn't really see Jesus? Listen, nothing except for a literal, historical, and bodily resurrection of Jesus can explain how Christians from the very beginning were convinced of this resurrection. And throughout history, they held to this truth, Christ is risen from the dead. It's very clear that the resurrection of Jesus is factual. It is as factual as the history of Julius Caesar. And actually, there are more manuscripts that affirm the resurrection of Jesus than they are affirming the history of the Roman emperors. There is one document, one manuscript of the historian, Roman historian Tacitus, the annals of Rome, of the Roman emperors. One, and it's not even complete. There are more than 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament, Greek New Testament. So which one's more reliable? So for us as Christians, faith is not a leap in the dark. Our faith is based on historical facts of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I deliver to you as a first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And it's especially the resurrection that convinces us that Jesus is more than just a man. Jesus is the eternal and the living Son of God, as Romans 1 verse 4 tells us. And it's this Jesus that the apostles proclaimed, that the apostles preached. Verse 12, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead. And throughout history, the church fathers, the reformers, the Puritans, the French Huguenots, all the great missionaries and evangelists of the church, they have proclaimed this Christ. And to this day, we still, and I this morning, proclaim this Christ. Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Has he changed your life? Do you love him? Do you serve him? Do you follow him? Do you obey him? Do you want to see him? Then believe Paul's gospel. And don't listen to those who tell you there is nothing after death. Because if you believe those people, then you must deny the very clear proofs of the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 12 and 13, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead or of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 16 again, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And how do you want to deny the resurrection of Jesus if you've got the testimony of the apostles, the prophets and Jesus against you? And I've got loads of cross-references right here in my sermon notes. Psalm 16, Job 19, Isaiah 25, Isaiah 26, Isaiah 53, Daniel 12, Matthew 12, Matthew 16, Matthew 17, Matthew 20, Matthew 26, Luke 24. And I can go on. So what will you do with Jesus? 
And what will you do with his word? Will you twist his words? And will you make Jesus out to be a liar, a deceiver, an imposter, a crazy person, a lunatic? Or will you bow before Jesus Christ with the Apostle Thomas in John 20 verse 28 and say, my Lord and my God. Secondly, if Christ is not risen, number two, then our preaching and our faith is in vain and it's a lie. That's verse 14 and 15 and verse 17a. A friend of mine got a phone call from some telemarketer or telesales saying, if you come to this seminar and listen to what we have to tell you, you'll get a free holiday and you'll get a free set of pots and pans. And my friend went, deciding I'm not going to buy anything they give me, I'm just going to get my free holiday and free pots and pans. Those were empty promises. In the end, he had to pay money for the holiday, uh, and he pushed them on it, and they just wouldn't give it to him for free, as they said, and uh, wouldn't get his pots and pans for free, as they said. And so it was all empty promises, and exactly the same. The apostles' preaching and people's faith in this message, in the gospel, it is empty. It is in vain. It is an empty promise if Jesus is not risen, if Christ is not risen from the dead. Verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Verse 17a. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It means nothing. So, I mean, what's the purpose of us telling people, believe in Jesus? All right, Jesus is dead, I know that. He's not alive and he can do nothing for you, but at least you'll have a warm feeling. You'll have a fuzzy feeling in your heart. And uh, yeah, I know your favorite singer can give you that too, or maybe the closest bar or saloon, if you live in cowboy and western movies. You can find that there too. Listen, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, he's not raised from the dead, Oh, our message is a sad message. To tell you the truth, Christianity is a farce. It's empty. The church should close its doors. There's no place for anyone to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist. Maybe find some other job, go and clip someone's people's toenails for a living. Well, I'm glad to tell you Jesus was raised from the dead. And we can preach the good news of eternal life to people. And this life is for all those who repent of their sins, who turn to the Lord, who trust in Christ. And he will save them from eternal punishment. He'll give them everlasting life. The most popular and famous verse in the Bible says that, John 3.16. And that can only happen if Christ is alive. If Jesus is dead, that cannot happen. How can a dead Christ give life to anyone? Then we are lying to people by telling them Jesus is alive. Jesus can give you eternal life. That's a lie then. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. And then I need to agree with a commentator called Leon Morris. Christ rose or we all lied? And if people can't believe us when it comes to the most central part of the gospel, how can they believe anything we tell them? Especially if we bring a message that leaves them without hope. 
Number three, if Christ is not risen, thirdly, then we are still in the bonds of sin. That's verse 17b. So it's like someone coming and he wants to pay a traffic fine for you, but he himself has got a lot of traffic fines. How can he pay yours? And for Jesus to, for Jesus to bear the punishment for our sins, he himself needed to have no sin. Otherwise, Jesus would have to die for his own sin. And if that were true, then the Father wouldn't raise him from the dead because he deserves to die. The resurrection shows us Jesus was without sin. He didn't die for something he did wrong. He died for our sin, and by raising him from the dead, <coughs> the Father showed, I accept your sacrifice for sinners, my son. That's the point of Romans 4.25. So for anyone to say, oh, the death of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus is a lie, that means that our sins are not forgiven then. And we're still in the power of sin, in the bonds of sin. Verse 17b, you are still in your sins. If Christ has not be raised, you are still in your sins. And that would, that would go against verse 3 where Paul said, Christ died for our sins. Jesus bore the punishment for our sins. The price has been paid. And that's why, that's why, why we boast in the death of Christ. You don't boast in anyone else's death. You don't boast in the death and brag about the death of Princess Diana. You boast in the death of Jesus <coughs> because he's not dead anymore. His death worked, he's alive. I boast in nothing else except in the cross of Jesus Christ through whom the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Galatians 6 verse 14. Christ was crucified and I was crucified with him and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2 verse 20. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Number four. If Christ is not risen, fourthly, then believers who died are lost. Believers who died have perished. Verse 18. We often hear how pastors comfort people at funerals where a Christian has died. And they say, oh, that Christian is now with the Lord. As Paul said in Philippians 1, I want to be with Christ. So he's now with the Lord. But if Jesus... If Christ is not risen, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, well then, then death has the last laugh. Death has the final say, not Jesus. And that would mean that Jesus' death on the cross didn't mean much. I mean, he tried to save us, but what a failure. What a failure. So we need to bear the punishment for our own sins, which means that believers who have died... They lost forever. Verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, fallen asleep is just another word for dying, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. I don't know what people do who reject the resurrection of Jesus and when, when their loved ones die. What do you do? What do you do when you lie in your deathbed but you deny the resurrection of Christ? What hope is there? What comfort is there? How do you... 
How do you comfort someone on their deathbed? What do you tell them? Good luck. And this is the end. There's nothing after this. What kind of hope do you give people? If you don't believe in the resurrection, nothing. Exactly what Paul says in verse 18. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If there's no resurrection. Number five. If Christ is not risen, fifthly, then we are pitiable. Verse 19. It reminds me of my grandmother. In the final years of her life, before she died, she got dementia. Like Alzheimer's, you know, you start forgetting. And sometimes you want to laugh at the stuff she says, because it's funny, but really, you don't quite want to laugh because it's, it's more, more sad than it's funny. And so Christianity, without the resurrection, it's not really funny. It's sad. You feel sad for someone. If the resurrection is not true, you feel sad for someone. His whole life he thought that he's going to be with Jesus forever and then when he breathes his last, there's nothing. Verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Shame. What a shame. And then what's the difference between people who did hope in Christ, who placed their faith and their trust in Christ, and those who rejected them? There's no difference. Then you, then you might as well trust in Freddie Mercury or the Beatles. It won't make a difference. And it's exactly for this reason that I don't like the argument when I hear people saying, you know, if an atheist is right and there's no God, then the Christian loses nothing. But if the Christian is right and the atheist is wrong and there is a God, then that atheist, he loses everything. I don't like that argument. That's not true. It's not true because if the Christian is wrong, he gave his whole life to Jesus for nothing. He committed his life to Christ for nothing. He even was persecuted for his faith for nothing. Verse 32, what do I gain, says Paul, if human is speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus. I was persecuted. I suffered for Christ for nothing. It would be much better just to eat and drink as much as you can because maybe you're in the grave tomorrow. Verse 32 at the end. If the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Well, I, I'm glad to tell you, very thankful to tell you, that is not the case. Jesus has risen. He's alive. And we live through him. Jesus himself said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And I truly hope that today's message will help you. If your faith has started maybe to waver, you've started doubting, maybe you even became skeptical about Christianity. Or perhaps, maybe you're the one you misled others about this. You need to repent of your sin. You need to ask the Lord's forgiveness. And you need to go to those people and say, I misled you. Because Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus, is not Christianity. It is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for depression and for hopelessness and despair. Let us rather greet one another as the Christians in Bulgaria on Easter Sunday. They will greet one another saying, Christ is risen! The Lord is risen! And then the response will come, The Lord is risen indeed. Let's pray.
Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word that comes to us this morning with clarity. And for 1 Corinthians 15 and the strength and the force of these verses, Lord. We pray that you would burn it into our hearts, imprinted on our minds, on our souls, in the very depth of our being. That we would live as people who are alive in Christ, because the Lord is risen indeed. Amen.